Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has produced a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to talk about what you need to consider before starting a side hustle. Yeah, should be a good one. So, has it has it been? Yeah, yeah, been uh, busy. Been working on um, some new new tools. We're kind of a timber based calculator, so more of the timber stuff. Um, we're sort of getting ready that ready for sort of beta launch. Seems like every time we meet, which is typically about once a month, is like a new product. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. We've got this quite um, ambitious kind of um, launch schedule that we launched. Actually, we've got kind of a bit held up. We do. I don't know if you're aware. There's this thing, uh, SCA, as it's strong uh, customer authentication. Um, okay. Things. It's like now when people take payments, it has to be more comprehensive. You, are you aware? Of, there's some new legislation. I think it's kind of been held back. back actually, um, is this well, like is this like the was it the PSD? Is it payment services directive? Yeah, too? That's yeah. Not, there's all okay. this kind of stuff. So we had to deal with a whole load of stuff that's kind of held us back for a couple of you know couple of weeks really, just having to deal with that, which is kind of frustrating really. Um, you know, but these sort of things, you know, I mean, we're sort of back on schedule really now, but it is kind of frustrating there. So what, what does that mean for, like, have you had to implement more code to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not anything that's affected me. It's more Nick and on the development side. Obviously, he's had to sort of look at the payments, sort of change the payment, um, set up various different technical things. It, 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 nothing nothing really changes the business massively. It's just annoying because it's just something you have to do. Um, it, it might be better in the long run because I think it's going to improve kind of security around taking payments and that's only going to be a good thing i think you know people are going to be able to trust you know that the payments are correct and all this kind of stuff i think in the long run it's going to be good but it's just kind of frustrating to have to take sort of two weeks out developing new products to have to go yeah, and deal yeah. with this kind of stuff you know but yeah, so if someone but... turned around and said your company has to do this now within a certain date or is it like a general regulation well it was supposed to be the 14th of september but i think it's actually been put back where we're getting a lot of um kind of emails from stripe our payment provider saying that you know you've got to address all these various different issues you know so we right. kind of felt under pressure from stripe but it, it i think it transpires that it's all been held back anyway we had right. like an email saying actually it's not happening now straight away it'll probably happen at some point in the future you know um, so it's, it's still frustrating. We still wanted to deal with it, and it's, it's just yeah. all these sort of things. At least you got it out of the way. Yeah, it's out of the way. So I think we've dealt with it now. But it, it is frustrating though, and it you know it'd be nice if we didn't have to deal with stuff like that. But you know like, that's that's just the joy of being in business, isn't it? Having yeah. To deal with the it. Also, sounds complicated. I mean, it, we're, we're striped basically saying either you do this now or we're going to cut off your. your well, no, I don't think they, I don't think they would have done that. But I think what would happen is that payments might not necessarily have gone through and things like that you know or what what the issue was it was that banks would stop issuing payments so the customer's bank would say we're not going to issue a payment right um, but when we actually looked at it the only there's only like one bank in like sweden or something that's actually made that's actually implemented this stuff yeah something random like that this, so, this is when you get a sudden rush yeah. of custom from sweden so I think, I think, yeah yeah <laughs> so i think it's, it's a lot of sort of panic over these sort of things it probably if we hadn't done anything it probably would have been fine anyway but we, we're kind of prepared for it now but it's just frustrating um so but what have you been up to then, steve you've been busy, busy with new courses and new yeah content. so more of the same really so my the last course which I'm doing, well, which I was doing, is now finished. So um, as, as we speak here, I'm just waiting for it to, well, not go for the final review. The review's happened. It's just I'm waiting for them to build the trailer and 
to set everything up on the site and launch it. So that should happen. Hopefully. This is plural sites. This is they, plural site. They yeah. have to do some upfront work, do they not? Yeah. So I've done all my bits. I've you know I've recorded everything, edited it all. Everything's gone through peer review. I've addressed any feedback that come back. And then when you've done all that, you have to write all the questions, all the assessment questions. Okay. Yeah. So there's a tool that plural site has called Nest. So we log into that and it has a, like a list of all the clips in the course and you have to write questions. Because what people could do is when they watch the course, so when they've watched, say, the first module, they can then take an assessment to, just oh, okay, to help yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, these are like sure assessment you have to write the assessment questions. Yes, yeah, so you have to write the questions. If, if I'm completely honest, it's my least favourite part of the process, <laughs> but, but, yeah, <laughs> but it, has to be, it has to be done. Yeah. Uh, then you have to write you know, all the course descriptions, like a long and short description. You have to record a trailer the audio okay. for a trailer and then they have some animators and people there that do all the whizzy fancy okay yeah wishy yeah. text cool yeah so that's been done at the minute um but with that you basically have to get in a queue oh okay yeah yeah so that the, there's sort of sorting out other people's stuff as well as yours yeah so i'd hope certainly by the end of september or at least very early october that course should be out oh fantastic which is, yeah which is yeah. nice um i was spent a week in mechelen in belgium Okay, yeah. Which is quite nice. A very sort of nice old historic looking town. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, doing some training out there. And sort of spent an extra couple of days out there as well just to sightsee. Yeah. Um, apart from that, so with the with the book I'm doing, um, part one, which is the first six chapters, has been handed over to the editor to, okay, to do well, her yeah. bit on it. Okay, yeah. Uh, that was terrifying because she's literally the first person to see any of it. Have you had any feedback yet? Oh yeah, she's working on it at the moment. Uh, So, but it's terrifying because obviously she's a professional editor. So she's either going to turn back and say, yeah, you know, I've made these changes or she'll come back and say, this is an absolute load of crap. I want more money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm hoping it's not that. Yeah, yeah, it goes well. So while she's doing that, I'm kind of working on part two, which is mostly first at first draft stage. Ah, cool, yeah, yeah. So my plan is to have everything either edited or in the process of being edited by the end of the year. Then in January, I'm going to start building the website and start preparing all the launch stuff. So I'm doing a whole load of training on product launches at the moment. Okay, yeah. So I thought, what might be an interesting episode? This is community, in, in, yeah. in a month or so's time, I'm going to come up with a marketing plan or a launch plan for the book. Yeah. And then I'm going to do a process which is familiar to software developers called rubber ducking. Okay, yeah. Which is yeah. the process of explaining what you're doing to someone to help you kind of understand it better. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're going to yeah. be the rubber duck on one of so the episodes. So you're explaining to yourself how you how you sort of follow the process, you know. Yeah, yeah so, so, were... so I'm going to go through what I think the, the, the launch plan for the book is, because it's going to be quite a complex plan. Yeah. And then we can, you know, have a discussion about it. But I think the process of explaining it should hopefully be beneficial to Yeah, I think it'd be, our that'd be useful well. to our listeners if they're thinking of launching their own book or, you know, the process that they follow, you know, that could be... Or any kind of online informational product. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. So, yeah, uh, the other thing, uh, been given an award by Microsoft called the MVP Award. Yeah. Which is really, really nice. It looks, I can see an impressive looking award on your desk glass, there. Little glass <laughs> slab on the side there. Yeah, it looks nice. So it's uh, an award they give out to experts in their technology who spend a lot of their time out in the community teaching and helping for free. Ah, cool. So it's stuff I do at user groups, speaking at conferences, basically anything I do that I don't get paid for is yeah, doing the community thing. So stuff I do for Plural sadly doesn't count. Because oh, no, that's, okay, that's a yeah. commercial thing. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to get a bit of recognition. But once you've got the award, you then got to work very hard to keep it. Really? So, oh, they, okay. so they reassess you every year. Oh, no, that, yeah, that could be brutal, yeah. yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But the, the highlight of that is I get to go to Microsoft's campus in Redmond. That's there. Yeah, in Seattle nice, next year. Yeah. So I've already booked the flight for that. Wow, okay. So yeah, looking forward to that. Cool, okay. 
so some questions got a couple of uh, good questions here uh i think we might have talked about this once before but i think it's worth mentioning again so this Thank is from you. faisal um what are both of your views on freemium and in-app purchases as a business model do you think they are still relevant oh it's a tricky one yeah i think it, it, it depends you know there's so many variables here isn't there I'm, I'm personally not a big fan if you're doing a, a side hustle i think it's very hard if you're doing like um in-app purchases i think it works if you've got a really really popular app but yeah. I think if you're starting out and you've got quite a small app i think you're going to struggle to get much revenue i guess do you think I mean, or? for me i mean i'm okay if, if an app's free and you use it for a week and then you have to pay five ten fifteen twenty dollars or pounds or whatever to basically unlock the rest of the app and then that's it you own it i'm okay with that because that's kind of like a shareware try before you buy it. yeah yeah, I suppose so, yeah i'm all right with that if an advert's got sorry if an app's got adverts and you have to pay a couple of bucks to switch the adverts off i'm okay with that mm. subscriptions i'm getting a bit fatigued with there's just yes. so many subscriptions I and mean, I've, I've just cancelled a whole load recently about what i was paying subscriptions for yeah i think yeah it's it's, it's a balance i think if it's if you're doing it as a side hustle i think apps are sometimes quite hard to make pay aren't they i think apps can be tricky you know if you're getting uh it's been a race to the bottom isn't it yeah i think they're so competitive aren't they in the app stores you know and that you get so little i remember remember doing an app and i remember we did okay at it but you have to sell such volume to get any kind of return in terms of the time investment that you put into the app and and any other costs that you might have involved it's it's quite tricky um i think freemium uh, by freemium doing this so you're talking apps or web apps or you know it's a tricky one isn't it freemium the thing, the thing I can, absolutely despise. Can freemium. It can work because you get your idea out there, don't you? Yeah. And it might, and then if you have a, you know, an extra tier with extra features and it's more money, you know. Yeah, it I mean, can I'm, work I'm okay doing the try before you buy a thing, but I'd rather pay a one-off fee and then own the app. Yeah. yeah. But something, something that I really do despise, and this has been a bit of an argument at home with my daughter, is um, in-app purchases where you, basically in a game you need to like buy money or add-ons in a game to, to be able to continue in a game oh, okay yeah, so yeah. this game my daughter's been playing she plays it online with her friends it's called roblox oh, okay i'm yeah. not just picking on roblox <laughs> but, it, but, it, but, it's the, but it's the one that i'm familiar with and then my daughter comes out and says she's like dad can you get this uh purchase for me so i can get this box of coins so that i can continue building this thing with my friends i was like well how much is it she goes oh it's 10 pound no yes yeah it's kind of annoying isn't now it? luckily i've got got my daughter's phone set up so that she can't purchase anything without me approving a request from my phone. But I was talking to um, her best friend's mum uh, the other week when I was um, picking the kids up from school and they hadn't set that up because they didn't know how to do it. Okay. And their daughter had spent nearly £200. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that is annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. I, I personally think that I think freemium is hard if, as if you're bootstrapping a business and you sell funding i think it's always best to get paid for what you've built and to get mm. that rev. also it sort of validates the idea as well if you're going to get paid for something that you built freemium is quite hard and that more works you know say if you're going to start a, a company that could one day become like a billion dollar company like google or something freemium kind of works because you can get that sort of scale of users can't you? Yeah. using the product instantly get loads of feedback grow the business really quickly you're not really validating whether people actually pay for that product you know i think it's harder it depends what your what your objective is really i think you know yeah i, mean, I, I quite like the approach that um, apple's just taken recently i don't know if you've heard of it it's a service i've just launched called apple arcade okay no i'm not, I, not. It, it's only just come out but basically so i mean I'm, it, I'm, I'm not the only person that hates like netflix where you've got the choice of like well yeah I'll, 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 I'll come on to it but so i'm not just the only person that's annoyed by in-app purchases there's there's basically a whole load of 
rubbish in the app store, both on Apple and Android. Yeah. And a lot of people are getting annoyed with it. And I think Apple's got annoyed with it as well. So they've got this new system called Apple Arcade. And they're basically, they're working with loads of like really big publishers and independent game studios where they're funding the creation of these games. Okay, so, they're, yeah. so they're not like little rubbishy little like puzzles. They're like proper big, like big budget style games. And they've just launched a service and they, they announced the prices a few weeks ago. It's $5 a month or £5 a month. And it is like Netflix for games. So they've launched with 70 mm. games. There's going to be 100 by the end of the year. And the beauty is, I mean, there's some pretty good games in there. I've been playing a few of them. But it's brilliant for kids because you don't have to worry about any app purchases. I mean, once they download the game, that is it. The game is the game. Yeah. They all work offline. Yeah. And once you've got it, there's nothing else to pay. Yeah, depending on obviously that, that there's enough sufficient games, good games, quality games within the Yeah, system, I mean, the yeah, one, I some of the ones I've played seem pretty good so far. Yeah, and there's there's some smaller puzzle games right the way through to big like epic role playing game fantasy big things. Yeah, um, yeah. It can. Um, what that's going to do for the uh, the games market on the normal app store, I have no idea. I think yeah. it's probably going to eviscerate it. But I, I think also you've got to be careful when you you know with freemium in app purchase because they might work great for one person. You know, or so it depends really. They might that might be the right approach for some particular scenarios. So I, it's very hard to make sweeping generalizations about these sort of things isn't it sometimes well it depends on the business model so I think I said either last episode or the one before that I was using that app called 7 Minute Workout I and mean, that's quite an interesting example because it lets you it gives you the first several exercise plans for free so you can try it out then if yeah. you want to continue and things obviously get harder as you get better yeah. then you can pay I can't remember how much it was let's just say it's £30 a year uh, Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you can then pay it as a subscription I think kind of models like that are kind of okay where you're getting some like tangible benefits from the app itself yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it depends, though, doesn't it? Like all these sort of things. I think it. it I certainly never do it because it could work for you. You know, it's it's a tricky one. But I'm not a massive fan of in-app purchases or freemium sort of business models. We need to look at the market. Look at what, look at what competition's mm. doing. Okay, we've got another question from Ian. Yeah. So it seems a common route for people discussing. Sorry, let me start that again. So, question from Ian. It seems a common route people discuss is running a side hustle and then taking it full time. What if you don't want to take it full time, but you just want to run it as a small business as a hobby? Yeah, I don't think that's fine. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an office answer. Um, yeah, I think even even if you run it as a side business, you can probably make sort of you know a handy extra income that could perhaps you know you could use to do you know pay for a holiday or or pay for extra things or it's just sometimes you enjoy doing things on the side. It's almost like a hobby, isn't it? I don't have a problem with that personally. If you don't want no, to, absolutely, you don't have to take it full time. You know, we obviously that's what we talk about because we just, we just instantly assume everybody has a side hustle wants to go full time on their side. Yeah, hustle, I mean a lot, a lot of people have the desire to have that sort of additional freedom, don't they? Whether it's financial freedom or just like having more time to do what you want. Yeah, yeah. But, but you don't have to. I mean, if you enjoy your full time job. Yeah, but you, you but, but you enjoy making some particular type of product. You want to do it as a hobby. Yeah, as long as you don't get. So, I mean, obviously you'll be careful. You don't spread yourself too thin and sort of burn yourself out and, and get too. You know, I mean, if you don't end up having to do like basically two full time jobs, I think that's when it becomes a problem, doesn't it? Or yeah, it takes over your life and you have no time to sort of rest or do the things you should do in life. Yeah, but I mean, there's absolutely no problem with just keeping it as a side hustle. I mean, when I was started doing the training initially I had absolutely no intention of doing it full time I, did, I didn't think it would get to that point where I could yeah perhaps it's because you enjoyed doing it do you think or it was kind of like a hobby was it or yeah I did, I did enjoy doing it yeah I think that's it if you enjoy sometimes it's more fun to do it as a side hustle than, than as a full time job it sort of loses its appeal a little bit doesn't it when it goes from yeah. 
I mean, even if you don't intend to quit your job, I mean, imagine a situation where you're running a side hustle. Maybe, you know, say you're earning from it, you know, a quarter or a half of what you do as your salary. Mm. Now imagine the worst case situation on your full-time job where you get made redundant. Yeah, yeah, you can always I mean, scale up the side hustle, then, then, uh, can't you, if you have You've to, automatically yeah. got something that you can fall into and scale up by putting more time into it. Yeah, perhaps also you can build up a bit of a reserve for a rainy day, can't you, as well. So mm. if that did happen, you might, the extra money you have on the side hustle might just cover you, you know, your, your bills whilst you're mm. sorting yourself out. Yeah, so, you know, I know we talk a lot about the idea that, you know, you might want to go full-time. You know, we even say that in the... The title yeah, of the, we do, yeah, of the yeah. podcast, but you don't have to. I mean, the side hustle is, as the name suggests, a side hustle. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no law saying you have to. Um, it sometimes it just often goes that way because people prefer their side hustle to their day job. But if you like your day job, just keep it. You know. Yeah, that's like the fact that you get to make the rules. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is good. Okay, so on today's topic, then, so we thought we'd go through sort of a, a shopping list of things that you might want to consider before starting a side hustle. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, just relating back to the question we just answered, you know, we mean side hustle as in you are building something full-time. Sorry, part-time. Part-time, yeah, part-time. <laughs> what yeah, am I talking yeah. about? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, we're building something part-time whilst working for someone else. Yeah, um, yeah. But obviously, you know, you might have grand visions to become your own sort of boss yeah. later yeah. down the line, but you don't have to. So I've got a whole list of things here. Um, that we'll just work our way down them and see where we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first up then, so first of all, what is your motivation for starting out a side hustle? Yeah, it's a trick one. Some people like, some people want the idea of extra income, um, or they might want the freedom of it. Sometimes you just enjoy doing something. Um, it's quite interesting. Um, I watched recently watched the documentary on, on Bill Gates. I think you've seen this as well, haven't you? The yes, inside, I have, yeah. inside. And I think I get the impression watching that is that he genuinely enjoyed what he did, you know, so it was easy for him to do what he did because yeah. he enjoyed it. So sometimes it's doing something that you enjoy, you know, it's just almost like a hobby, isn't it? Um, so sometimes it doesn't start you know, as a, it's going to be a massive business. It's, it can just start from something I just enjoy, say coding, or I enjoy a particular craft or trade or hmm. whatever it is, you know, that you enjoy doing, you can do it as a hobby and get paid a little bit of money for it as well, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to be kind of honest with yourself as well. So I mean, do you genuinely have a great idea that you want to turn into a product? Or is it that you actually hate your job and actually you're trying to run away from something? Yeah, quite often. Yeah, yeah. So, no, do you do you actually want to build something, or would just just finding a new job make you ha- make you happier? Yeah, sometimes you have to be careful what your motivation is. A lot of people sort of hate their job and decide tomorrow they're going to become an entrepreneur, and it's very hard if you haven't built up something solid to build off. You know, um, and so you quite often see a lot of these what do they call these multi-level marketing type schemes where, oh yeah, yeah. I think you've got to be careful a little bit because they kind of sell you this dream that you, you don't have to put any work in is, it, is that the new acceptable term for a pyramid scheme <laughs> yeah yeah I, I kind of hate them really and they, quite often you see them they promote it to quite often like new mums and people that are quite vulnerable you know and they say you know if you sign up for our MLM scheme you can earn an extra thousand pound a month or whatever which is a lot of money to a lot of people isn't it so they, make, so, so they make their money from you buying the products and then you have to try and sell the products at a higher yeah, price to someone else. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I think it's it's quite hard. To do. It becomes a bit like a pyramid scheme because the people at the top of the pyramid sell, you know, they make good money, but then the people at the bottom just lose money, you know, and at some point right. you run out of people to sell to, don't you, at some point, you know. Um, and quite often they end up burning out their friends and family who they've hassled to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like, don't you? And it's, it's kind of sad, really, actually. Um, so I think you've got to be a little bit careful, you know, that... Um, 
sometimes it's better to come up with your own thing. You know, the, perhaps perhaps it comes from some you know, hobby that you have or an interest that you have, or possibly even from your day job. Uh, so my original side hustle came from my day job. You know, uh, so I I worked as a structural engineer for a local authority, a local government, and then obviously I went and set myself up as a, as a structural engineer on the side. You mm. know. So it was, it was kind of easier to, it wasn't really a great idea. It was um, just an obvious idea, really, sometimes, you know. I mean, I guess your sort of trade, the, you know, the, the content that you generated came from your day job or, or kind of hobbies or interests that you had. Yeah, it was, it was a mixture of sort of technical skills that I built up. And certainly when I do a lot of the um, self-development courses, a lot of that's built on like, you know, 25 years of war stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 something you've accumulated solidly over over a number yeah. of years, isn't it? It's not like it's not that like you were just decided one day I hate my job. I'm just gonna go and no, not at all. Well, well, actually, saying that the, the company I was working at when I started doing pluralsight, I didn't actually like working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's like. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, my, my my idea wasn't that I was going to go and quit work straight away. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't you went but, unrealistic. Where you but I've always been someone who has to apply my mind to something else. I'm never, I've never been satisfied with all of the jobs that I've worked at. And if I'm not satisfied in my day job, I feel like I have to replace it with something else. Oh, in the background, yeah. which is kind of where that came from with me. Yeah. So maybe working at this company because I absolutely hated it there. Maybe that was a good thing because that actually spurred me to go and look do, at something. To look at doing your own side hustle. So yeah. perhaps you can use that as an inspiration to go and do your own thing you know if you don't enjoy your job you could perhaps think oh, oh god maybe i was trying to hide from something else yeah perhaps you were yeah Blimey. Perhaps that's a good thing that's this, this, is, this is quite yeah. cathartic isn't yeah, it no, yeah so, shall i now tell you about my father <laughs> yeah, yeah no. <laughs> no that's too much too much information for our, yeah. Yeah, our listeners so next point then is sort of trying to work out what you're actually interested in or why you might be interested in making the rules so i guess things like you know you like to lead and make your own rules yeah, yeah, I think that's one yeah. advantage of doing your own thing. You can do it your way, can't you? Yeah, so um, when you work with someone else, when you're working with a team, so, you know, the rules that you have to abide by aren't necessarily how you might want to do something, and yeah. that, that can be frustrating. I, yeah, definitely the bureaucracy. I mean, I used to work for a local government, and uh, the rules and regulations were kind of painful at the time, you know, and it was great to have the freedom of my own stuff just to have a blank canvas and do what I wanted yeah. to do without having to follow the rules or ask for permission, you know, you could just go and do something, it's quite liberating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you might feel quite limited as an employee. Yeah. So, so yeah. If, you, if you feel like you're just literally spinning wheels and not actually growing. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to sort of, like you're fighting against the machine, aren't you really, sometimes, or how you feel, don't you? You know, you're just like one small cog in a big machine, aren't you? It's nice to be, have more control over the machine, isn't it? Oh, definitely. But also, if you're, if you're very creative and your job isn't. So if you're working for, I don't know, an accountancy firm, which is very, you know, analytical, but actually you're a very creative person mm. who likes to build things, whether it's music, art, software, writing, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. That can normally be a good trigger. Yeah, perhaps it gives you the opportunity to do things you can't do in your job, you know. Um, sort of if you want to create your own things, you know, and you don't have that opportunity in your job, you can go and do that in your mm. side hustle. Or even uh, different challenges as well. So if you, if you, I mean, you might work at a company that you like, but if you're effectively doing the same stuff over and over again, yeah. Whilst yeah, you might, whilst perhaps. you might be good at that stuff, you maybe you just want to face a different challenge. But, but you don't, but you don't want to leave the job. Yeah, I think a problem I've had with a lot of jobs is after a while you kind of learn how to do everything. And you kind of get bored with it, and you want new challenges and want to do new new things. So perhaps that gives you the opportunity to spread your wings, doesn't it, intellectually, and hmm. perhaps look at other things as well. 
or maybe uh, a bit of financial freedom. Yeah, well, not against that. Yeah, it's like you're saying, like, like the earlier listener was saying about, can it just stay a side hustle? Mm. And I'm sure if you run a, you know, a side hustle, you can probably make a meaningful extra income that would make a difference to your life, you know? Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely a, a factor, especially if you, you know, you're not on a massively well-paid job, it can make a huge difference, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, you know a lot of companies, well, certainly in my experience, you know, they, they offer offer you the world or promise you the world when you sign up. Oh, yeah. there's this uh, potential 10% bonus, which never seems to materialise. <laughs> yeah. Pay rises every year, which is either doesn't happen or is way below inflation. I think I think that's the other thing. When, when you do your own business, there's no limits. So in theory, um, if you if you have, you know often you have a job and you get a very small pay rise every year, whereas if you're doing your own thing, you can you can say, oh, this year I want to do double what I did last year. But you don't have that opportunity in a day job. You can't just say, oh, I'm gonna, you know, you can't go to my boss and say, I want a hundred percent pay rise this year. That that you know, it's not going to happen, is it? You know. Well, you could you could try su- you could try <laughs> yeah. suggesting it, but when it's when it's your own thing, at least you have the opportunity to. to sort of, I know it's hard, but obviously you've got to make that happen. But at least you've got the opportunity, haven't you, to, to sort of do that. So next thing, so I've got a sort of a, a point here is is kind of preparation. So I mean, I guess the first thing is you know, what are you actually going to build? What is your business going to be about? Obviously, yeah. you can't start a business without having an idea for a product, yeah, or a service. And a lot of time these can be based on either something that you're doing at work, which you think you can do a different spin on, but obviously potential dangerous territory there. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about a few episodes. Yeah, you've got to be careful, obviously, yeah. Or it might be a hobby, just something you like doing outside of work, which you sort of see a, a niche yeah, opening in. I think it's easier if you if you have something, you know, that if it's a hobby that you've been doing for years and then, you know, turn into business. But it's very hard just to say one day I'm gonna do something completely different, having never got any experience of, of doing that thing, you know. So I think it's easier to have a starting point from something you're familiar with, either that be work or a hobby or, or a real deep interest that you have. It makes it so much easier than if you're going starting from a you know blank canvas. Mm. Is that your thoughts? Is it you know the things that you've built? It's been easier when it's things that you've. It's almost like you've got an unfair advantage at things you've been doing years than something if you just decide to start afresh. You know. Yeah, I suppose. I, mean, I remember when I did my first course, the pool site. I mean, that was kind of scary because I've never done anything like this before but it, the whole thing with my business kind of came about by accident really I, I didn't really set out to oh I'm, go, I'm, going, I'm going to build courses and, you know, <laughs> I somehow got into a conversation with Pluralsight and then passed the audition and then it kind it's, of went from there it's I, funny to my, when I set up my intention was never to have a software business as such and it's kind of happened over the years yeah. it kind of morphed into that but that wasn't my original intention I'm actually about to go full circle so the first course that I produced, it was called Developer to Manager. And for the time, you know, I was very proud of it. Yeah, yeah. And I look back at it now, I'm like, Oh, you want to do, do things differently. Yeah, I think you do, don't you? Look at old work. And plus the, because, you know, we, we have a slide template we have to use. So it's all on brand. And this was like back when, you know, they were using like a square style screen. The, the branding just looks completely rubbish uh, compared yeah. to what it does now. Oh, it's so, so moved on so much more. So, yeah. so what I've actually agreed is I've, I've signed up for a new course, which I'm going to do. That takes me to the end of November. And then over the kind of the Christmas period, I said that I'm going to go back and re-record my very first course. Mm. So, so the content will be the same, but I'm going to like basically, you know, re-record it all so it sounds better. The editing will be better. And then I'm going to use the, the new yeah, templates. Yeah, so refresh that old content. Yeah, yeah. Give it a new spin. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the other option is, uh, I spoke to this guy who was like a mechanical engineer and he was getting into e-commerce and it wasn't something he really had any experience of, but he'd got a friend that was had some real success in this field. 
So he'd spent a lot of time with his friends, sort of getting information, learning the trade. Mm. I was kind of making a go of it. So I think that's another option is to go out and meet people who have that experience and, and sort of network with them and get that information. But obviously that's going to take time to build up that network. So that's, that's another yeah. potential way is to sort of meet the right people, you know. Well, and, I mean, uh, meetup groups. If you go onto meetup.com or use the meetup.com app, that's yeah. a really good way of finding local meetups. Yeah, that might be a good start. It's just to sort of build your network up and, and get those contacts. Or, or if you've got friends that do things that sound interesting, just perhaps re reach out to your friends that do those mm. sort of things and say, you know, could you tell me what you do, you know? I mean, it's so easy, tool-wise, to set up an e-commerce site. I mean, um, have, you, have you seen Shopify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, I do use that's, 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 a, that's a brilliant site. Like, is it? A friend of mine, well, a friend of my wife's, years ago was um, set up this business selling um, antique silver like things like candlesticks and ah, cool yeah 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 so her, the friend that she set it up with he was an antique dealer and he, but there was a load of stuff that they just couldn't shift in the in the shop so they wanted to set up an online business yeah yeah so, so I helped them set that up so we set up a Shopify site I, I, I took loads of photos of all the products yeah yeah I'm like you know it took about a couple of days just use one of their one. templates one of the Shopify templates and just it pretty much was yeah it was just a basic I mean it looked yeah. quite nice but it had all about the card handling and the e-commerce stuff. Yeah, and yeah, it's all sort of dealt with, isn't it? Yeah, you don't have to worry about it, do you, really? And mm. any of that stuff, which is great, because it costs a fortune, not a fortune, but to build it up bespoke would be would be a, a real job. I don't think there's any need these days yeah, to build that stuff it? bespoke. I'm no. sorry any software developers listening, but that sort of stuff, yeah. really. You, sh you, sh you shouldn't be building that anymore. You just buy it in. Yeah, I know, for, for, for how easy it is and how cost-effective it is to do, it's easier just, yeah. So I guess... Um, when it comes to actually launching a product then, you need to think about how you're actually going to get your first version of your product or a soft launch of your product out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the things I've done in the past, sometimes it's good to sort of experiment. Um, so if you could build like a cheap website or a cheap landing page, um, I've done this in the past quite a few times actually. For things that haven't worked, I things that have worked. So quite often I've created like a, a, a landing page there's various different products you can use now. You can use things like Wix and stuff like that, can't you? WordPress or whatever you want to use. Yeah, like Square, are... Squarespace is a popular one. Yeah, there's all sorts of, and there's, so, so I'm the, use there's one specifically for landing pages as well now that you can just do. Oh yeah, oh, God, what is it? Uh, there are. Is it lead pages? There is, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, ones like that, but there's other ones as well. Um, yeah, leadpages.net, that's one. Yeah, there's other ones where you specifically, where you can just create like a landing page and uh, you can sort of try out ideas. So what I've done in the past is, they promise sometimes if you create a landing page, it doesn't instantly rank in, in the Google search. And so when people are searching on Google for your products, they're not gonna find it because you don't rank. Right. Yeah, because it takes a long time for you to rank for a particular. Yeah. So what you can do is, I've, in the past I've used Google AdWords. So you, you know, you type in, uh, so say for example, you want to do like uh, training courses for hamsters or something like that. I made that up by the way. And uh, so what you can <laughs> Make do you know is, that? Hamster training. Hamster training, hamster training. So you could have um, hamster training as your keyword. So you can set up like a very basic campaign on Google AdWords. So one of your keywords could be hamster training. So when people go to Google and put in hamster training, your website would pop up and then you could perhaps just have like a, you know, email, provide your email address to express an interest in our new product or something like that. And if you get loads of people sign up for your email list, you know, potentially that, that there would be demand for that product or, or you could even set up, if you're really adventurous, you can set up this thing called Hotjar, have you heard of that? Where it does like heat maps and things like that. You can see how people interact with your site. I've heard of it, so I think we used it 
Yeah, we used the startup to. There's, a, there's other products, there's things like that, you know, there's, there's probably other things that you could do. I think it's quite advanced. I'd probably just go for like a thing where you ask for an email address or something like that. Um, engage how many email signups you get for your... Um, yeah, so I, I do something fairly similar. So in all of the short guides that I've written, um, I've got a bit in there which links people off to a page. Um, so they can do a similar sort of thing. So they can, they can sign up because I want to try and build up an email list. But what I oft offer them is I wrote a couple of short, very short eBooks, like 15, yeah. 20 page eBooks. And if they sign up, they get both of those things for free. So you can gauge, you can gauge interest and also it helps with when you do finally launch the product, you know, you can. And this is, this is something I want to talk about in a few episodes of time, maybe it's about how you, um, write all of the, the actual wording and the copy on these lead pages. Yeah. Cause there's some certain sort of techniques. Not, not to make it clickbaity, but ways of writing it and expressing what you're tr the problem you're trying to solve, which actually draws people in. Yeah. And this kind of like whole psychology around it. It's quite fascinating. Quite I mean, that's, that's quite... Uh, I mean, it does mention a lot of this stuff in the 4-Hour in the Work Week about setting up landing pages mm. and using AdWords and stuff like that. That's kind of where I got a lot of this ideas from. I know it's quite old, but it's still still applicable, I think. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you can do, if, you, if you've got the time, it's sometimes tricky to do and meeting the right people. You can actually go out and interview prospects um, mm. so people that might want to buy your product or, or use your service if you could get, reach out to them and actually physically meet them but you sometimes you have to be a little careful because sometimes the way that you can't say I've got this new great product do you want to buy it because sometimes people are going to see, be polite and say yeah I'll, I'll buy that but they're just saying it because they're they know you or yeah, your so, best friend. So can, or, can you trust their responses? Yeah, so there's a book called, I don't know if you heard it, Mom Test. Have you ever heard of this? Where yeah. the idea is if you, there's a book called, the I've read it a little bit, and what you do is you basically <coughs> have to phrase your questions in such a way where it's quite objective. What's it called? So the you're mom not test. sort of preloading them. I think it's the Mom Test, actually, with an O. Oh, is it? A, yeah, the Mom Test. Oh, this one's American, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and so when you do customer interviews, it's sometimes not a good, you know, you, you can't just say to your mom, oh, do you think my product's good? You're just going to say it's good because she's your mom, you know, or, or if it's a friend, then you're not going to say. Um, but sometimes you can structure your interviews in such a way that you get the correct information. Because um, quite often, also what people say they do and what they actually do is sometimes different. So somebody will say, oh yeah, I'll buy your product. But then when you actually launch it, they don't. <laughs> so that happens quite a lot. Yeah. You know, so you have to be careful how you validate your idea, you know. And in some ways that's sometimes why the landing page is sometimes better because it's a bit more impersonal, isn't it? And people might be more honest, you know, than if you just physically ask Was, them, was your mum your first customer? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know what I mean? I don't, you've got to be careful if you ask people, if you say, oh, I'm going to launch this book, they might say, oh, because they know you and they're your friend, they're going to say, yeah, I'll buy that. And they might buy it, but then it, that might not apply to everybody, you know. That's why asking like you know family and friends for constructive feedback on things is normally a bad idea. Yeah, it? sometimes because they're going to be sort of not objective enough, are they, in their in their response? So you do have to be careful when you're validating ideas. Have you read people, that book you know? by Eric Ries, the um, Lean Startup? I have read it, but I kind of I find it quite painful. I find it quite it's, it's, it just still seems quite obvious that you would do that anyway. <laughs> you yeah. would launch a smaller version of a bigger version. You know that just seemed like. It's common sense well, you, to me. Yeah, you say that. I mean, what's common sense to one person is something completely new and unheard of to someone <laughs> yeah, else. So. I mean, to be fair, we kind of, I'd adopted that approach, but not because it was by intention. It was more that by 
but we didn't have any other options to do. You know, we had to launch like a, a very stripped down version because we didn't have the cash to build an expensive version, you know. So it kind of, we followed that process anyway, but not, not by Through necessity. Yeah, through necessity rather than planning, you know. Um, but yeah, it just seemed to make common, it just seemed common sense to me really, to be honest. I don't know how you felt So, so the, fir- the first version of uh, Steel Beam Calculator, was that like a... Yeah, it's quite basic. Yeah, yeah, it's a very basic version that did something. It it, it was useful and simple. So um, did you actually offer that as a as a paid product at that point, or was yeah, you just yeah, it was it for free? always been a paid product. Right. Yeah, we've never had a free a free version as such. So yeah, it's always been a, a paid product. But um, yeah, we we kind of had to follow that process because we didn't have the budget to build a really complex product. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a good that's that's a good thing. That's gave us discipline, I suppose. Well, I mean, if someone is looking to build a product, I mean, that's it's going to be a similar story, isn't it? You're going to have limited resources. But, yeah. I, but I always think, and I'm a big believer in this, having limitations and constraints actually brings out the best in you when you're working. Yeah, this thing is now, you know, like this, I've heard this of where if you add more people to a team, it doesn't make you get a faster output. Have you heard of this? Is it, is yeah, it you, can, you can't you can't make a baby in a month with nine people or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make the process any quicker sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? So sometimes having having constraints is sometimes a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean I mean constraints in resources as well. So if you Yeah, we we will say we'd like unlimited money and like you know to be complete millionaires. But if you imagine that you're trying to build a product but you know you've only got a fixed budget to do it i think it forces you to be a bit more creative in how you're going to solve the problem yeah yeah quite whereas if yeah. you've got unlimited resources and you can just like make the thing happen i think you'd actually become a bit lazier in how you yeah you perhaps like the discipline wouldn't you to to yeah to think it through properly as well and it probably enforces you to to be creative and, and and come up with very useful simple solutions as well yeah no oh, cool i mean with what I did, I, I couldn't really do a lean startup style thing because I, I don't own the platform. I mean, the Pluralsight platform is it's a product owned by another company. Yeah, it's probably hard. I say I assume you have to build a fully fledged course. You can't just do a MVP course and launch. Can you? No, yeah, you can't tell me. I say, well, if I just give you the first five minutes and we'll see how that does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, so get interaction. If we get loads of interaction, we'll build build it out. I mean, we could just launch hundreds of little courses, like, and then see which ones does really well, and then build out the one that's most successful or whatever. But although saying that, I mean, yeah, you know, talking in terms of like an informational product, which is different to a kind of a service based product. I mean, if you was looking to do training. And you wanted to put it out there. I mean, you've got um, what's what's a platform called Skillshare.com. Oh, okay, yeah. that is actually a really really good platform. And if you're looking to do some courses, but you don't want to make a really big long course, Skillshare is a brilliant platform to look at because they actually want all of their courses to be between kind of twenty minutes and forty minutes. Is their oh, ideal okay, sweet yeah, spot? Yeah. So you're not trying to teach an entire subject. You're teaching a skill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that skill might be you know how to. Do basic animation in PowerPoint, for example. So you're not teaching the whole oh, of PowerPoint; you're teaching one small bit. Yeah. So if you are actually looking to do all of that and you actually want to monetize it, you know, get subscription revenue from it, then that's a really good platform to do. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds quite useful actually because you're just learning a skill, aren't you? So you're just teaching this one thing and teach it yeah. well, don't you? You know. I, mean, I guess you know. So once you've soft launched a product and actually got something out there, I guess you, I think we spoke about this a few episodes ago, but we're talking about you know, are you going to try and get an active or passive income out of your product so again as a recap active is where you're selling your time for money yeah a bit like consulting or it's a probably job. more of a services business isn't it I or suppose, you're generating a passive income where you know once you put the thing out there you want people to be coming in constantly and you know paying for it 
Yeah, I think ideally you'd want, um, you know, like I suppose like an active income would be like if you're doing a, a services business where you're, say if you have a particular skill, say it might be you're a computer programmer or you're a structural engineer or whatever it is, particular skill, and then you just say, I'm going to charge per hour for that service, you know. Um, but obviously that's not scalable, is it? To a point, isn't it? You know, if you're only doing an active income, no, it's not because it's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, I mean, so if, if, if and so if it's something that you enjoy doing, you know, if you're passionate about whatever you're doing, you know, go for it. You know, it's not, you know, it's not the be all end all, is it? But I mean, passive income's the dream, though, isn't it? Where you launch, say, a, a you know, a product, whether it be a, a book or a, a software product or whatever, and then you can sell millions of copies of that one product can't you yeah, without you, you any can have, extra additional work you can have right? the idea of a sales funnel and this is kind of what I'm starting to do at the moment so for me you know I get passive income from the courses that I put out so that's just money that's you know constantly dripping in but yeah. I only get paid it once a quarter but well, every quarter but you know that, that money is constantly building up and then you know so if you think at the top of a funnel you know in big inverted triangle. So at the top, I've got the courses that I do. I've got the books that I release, which generate passive income. Yeah. And then I've got the stuff that I do for free, which is you know going out and talking at conferences. You know, I don't get paid for that apart from expenses. Yeah, yeah. But then through that, they act as kind of like a lead magnet in a way. So I'm bringing leads in, so people know about me yeah, from the like, courses. That's like marketing your and then services. Isn't you go you products. go tighter into into the funnel, and then off the back of that, I get people sending me inquiries saying, "Oh, can you come to my company and do some training?" Yeah, yeah, which is where you know when you when you when I do workshop at private companies, you know I charge quite a lot for that. Yeah, yeah, because it's a private company, you, you know you're going in. Whereas if I teach a public workshop, say through NDC conferences, that's all done on profit share. You don't earn a massive amount from it, but they're kind of good to do anyway. Yeah. So for example, um, next month I'm going to a company in Sweden uh, for two days. And they're like, you know, we want you to do a talk. The reason they, they got in touch with me is one of the employees there saw my talk at Uradev in Sweden last year. So he got in touch with me and said, that talk you did at Uradev, can you come to my company and do the same talk? Okay. But also do a half a day workshop. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So you know, I worked out the price and sort of sent, sent them a quote for a half day workshop with me being there for two days. Mm, thinking, yeah. oh, they're probably going to say no because it's just like a small event they're doing. They turn around and yep, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Guess I'm going to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, um, but the, but the key the key thing is is a funnel. So you know they've they've heard about me from some other thing. In this case, it was a free conference talk that I did. Yeah. Not, not free to them. Obviously, they they paid for the conference ticket, but it was a talk that I did, which has then brought them in further down the funnel where they've like, inquired about another product that I can offer them. Yeah, I think you've got to think probably about channels, haven't you? Marketing channels. Yeah, so that might be different things for different businesses you know but you might find you have one or two really good marketing channels so for yours it could be conferences um obviously i assume that you're on the on the plural sites platform as well the fact mm. that you're on the platform is kind of a marketing channel isn't it yeah for you isn't it and and obviously i assume you have other it's a very good marketing channel because they're basically tearing up the entire enterprise um corporate training yeah yeah arena at the minute there i mean pool site is just basically everywhere at the moment which is fantastic it's probably good for you yeah mm. yeah so i think you've got to think about your channels haven't you you know or what is the top of your funnel you know for me personally it's search engines so people would be searching for our software products on on a search engine you know so that's primary out whether i'd be paid paid ads using google ads or whether it's just organic. So what sort of search terms would they type in to find you or was that secret? Um, I won't say too much because obviously <laughs> okay, it's enough. a little bit, um, yeah, um, sort of the more direct the better. So it would be, so whatever the name of our product is, 
would be what people are generally searching for, you know. Yeah. So it tends to be it is what it is, you know. So or, it, or how do I calculate the length of a beam? Or yeah, or yeah. What size steel like. beam do I need, or whatever, you know? It's the generic, obvious ones, to be honest, um, and that's what our product does. So you know, it's 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 quite simple, really. But um, yeah, for us, it's sort of search engines is our sort of our top of our funnel, I suppose. Yeah, but obviously, it could be different things for different businesses, you know. Then off the back of that, I mean, could you have, so someone comes in, they use your product to work out the beams that they need, but could they then get in touch and say, actually, we want a second opinion on this. Do you charge consultancy um, as well? They, they do, but I'm trying to get away from that, to, oh, right, to okay. be honest, because I, I, I see the software. We get all asked all the time to do loads of consultancy work, and I'm trying to get away from that a little bit, because I see I prefer to sort of, at the moment, I want to put my time into building new products and just right. have building up more passive income rather than active income, I suppose, you know. Um, although we can make good money doing consultancy work as well off the back of our products, you know. Do you think you'll get to a point where you've kind of done all of the calculation products that you can do and then you have to start thinking of something else? <laughs> oh, there's just so... Or, or is that still nah, a long it's way like, oh, it, that, that could be a life's work, I think, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, okay. if we had to build everything that... Well, we, we could move on. We could move into other fields, you know. So it wouldn't necessarily... At the moment, we're just concentrating on structural engineering. Yeah. Way. We could move into other fields of engineering or other calculation tools in other businesses so they're just so much we could you know there's a life's work there isn't there when you think about it lots of room to grow which is yeah. cool okay so i know we talked about the facts and certainly with ian's question earlier about you know you don't have to go full-time but you yeah. know you might have aspirations of working for yourself so i think it's actually worthwhile if you do have those aspirations it's kind of sooner rather than later is actually start thinking about your personal finances yeah yeah i mean you know it may be two three four five years away that you actually might want to consider going full-time doing it yeah i think I mean, if you think about your finances straight away so you know list all of your outgoings you know, is there anything that you can cut out that's superfluous i mean we all have things that we pay for that probably we shouldn't yeah i'm, yeah, th- I'm, I'm thinking not. gym memberships that no, you don't, <laughs> we don't actually turn up yeah yeah not that i've done that before <laughs> no is there anything you can cut out you know is there any debts you can consolidate yeah so, you know, or, or try and remove your debts if you can i mean obviously you want to try and get fit don't you really oh, sort of financially fit financially which is fit, another, yeah. one of, another one of our episodes before you actually start full-time yeah. you know do as much as you possibly can to get um i mean something it depends how well your side hustle goes as well to a certain extent doesn't it you know if you can replace your full-time income faster the better you know really, mm. if that's your goal it depends what your goal is and what objectives are but yeah but then you always want a bit of a kind of an emergency sort of safety cushion as well yeah. which might be too you know, two, three, six months worth of salary. Yeah, I mean, I think when I start, when I started out, I had like six months. What do you call it? What they call it? <laughs> What's the word for it? Runway, I suppose. Runway. Yeah, yeah six months of runway before I. Is that actual business runway? Is that more like emergency personal? Just personal, yeah, yeah, personal really, to be honest. But yeah, so I knew that would be safe, which isn't loads really. You know, and think about it. Um, I mean, I did probably want more than that. Really, probably want like a year, wouldn't you? Really, I don't know what what you had when you. So uh, it's about nine months that I'd saved up. So you knew that you were good, yeah, safe. But I mean, if you're thinking of doing freelancing, one thing, you've, the unfortunate reality is that sometimes companies and people do pay late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you're waiting for several thousand pounds to come in for some work that you've done, you know, standard payment terms might be 30 days after the date of the invoice. Yeah. And that's yeah. if they pay you on time. So you have, yeah, you'd have to be careful, don't you? Perhaps you don't. Um, and also, what you don't realize when you're running a business, a lot of the, there's a lot of costs, isn't there, that you don't factor into the equations a lot of time yeah. absolutely so insurance is one yeah you yeah know, if, you, if you have any level of equipment that you need that you're going to run your business with then you really need to have it insured against damage or theft or yeah like or, or you might need specific 
insurance do with your industry you might have to have professional indemnity insurance or public liability or these kind of insurances that you might need um, there's other things like uh, you might have to pay for an accountant or a professional to help you with to set up your business or mm. to do your accounts and all these sort of things they all add up don't they all these sort of small businesses you might need to pay for marketing material or or have expert experts come in and help you with your business yeah i mean i have all sorts of costs i mean i you know i pay for zero which is what i do my accounts with yeah what yeah. is what i do my bookkeeping with i should say which costs me about 25 pounds a month it's not massive yeah I mean, all but it, there's loads of other subscriptions all, so, all so cloudflare these. which i have running across my websites to keep the websites up and healthy i mean i see me have to pay for hosting for your website domain names all these sort of things cost and it's like a huge amount but they all do add up don't they all these kind yeah of... lots lots of small little fees i mean an accountant does cost yeah um, i mean I, my accountant can cost anywhere between five and seven hundred pounds a year yeah yeah he saves me way more than what it costs i, yeah. I, I consider him free yeah it's, it's still money though isn't it it's still something it is, you need yeah. to allocate obviously you've got to allocate your taxes as well save money for taxes in the end yeah well we were just talking about it before we started recording because I've literally just handed all my accounts over to the accountant ready for him to work out my tax bill yeah I mean what we what we roughed is we try and you know save the tax money so we always have it so we don't spend the tax money that's the key isn't it well, that's what I do now so I've have come a cropper that haven't they where I've got like not. a I've got a sub account in one of my business banks that I use. So any invoice that comes in, I automatically pay 15% of that invoice payment into into that bank account. And I know that I'll pay less than 15%. I mean, the, the corporate tax rate is, what, 20%? Or is it 20 or 21%? I think it's is it less now. It keeps changing, doesn't I, it? I can't remember. But yeah, it's, it's about 20%. I know that I'm never going to pay 20. I provision 15, but I expect to pay a lot less than that. Because I think when you've got deductions and yeah, allowances yeah, that have yeah. factored into it as well. Um, so off the back of that, I think it's always really a good idea to learn basic bookkeeping. It sounds really dull, and it is. Yeah. But it's a valuable skill. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now you, you don't have to use an online system like Zero, but I think it makes it a lot easier. But you could just do your bookkeeping with a basic spreadsheet to start with. You know. Yeah, I think if it's it depends what you, I mean. Some businesses are easier than others. You know, if you've got a really complex business with loads of payments, and, and it, it's harder, I think. But if it's just a straightforward business, I think it's easy enough just to do on a simple spreadsheet. Yeah, when I first started, I used uh, an open source piece of software called GNU Cash, GNU Cash. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just like a free, like accounting package, and and I used that for several years. That's absolutely fine. So cool, yeah. So actually, actually, one thing before we move on. So um, if you have a load of employee benefits at your current job, and you're thinking of going full time eventually, you need to kind of think about what of which which of those benefits you need to keep, if any. Yeah. So things like health insurance. So once you leave your company, your health insurance is going to stop. Yeah, yeah. Certainly a bigger thing in the US. Yeah, obviously not not so critical in, in the UK, but yeah, I can imagine elsewhere. But any any kind of benefits, um, like obviously the pension that you get, all these any other kind of perks or bonuses, all of a sudden you're not going to receive any of that. Are you? Yeah. So you don't get things like. Um, you might get sickness pays. So say for example, if you're in a full time job, if you're sick, you're going to get still going to get paid, but. If it's your own, you're not you're not necessarily going to get that, are you? Or you know all these kind yeah. of perks, you don't just don't get. That is that is actually a good, that's actually a very good point. I definitely mentioned that before. You know, if you're working for yourself and you're sick, if you're sick, you're sick. You know, yeah. you, you haven't got an yeah. employer paying your salary. Yeah, it's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, it's unfortunate, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got to factor that into you. I think sometimes that's why if you if you are doing your own thing, you've got to value your product or service accordingly to factor in all of these things into you know that you've got to allow for holidays, all these extra costs that you didn't think about. They've got to be factored in. 
So when you charge out your, so if you're doing a service and you're charging an hourly rate, it's got to be a lot more than your cost price. You yeah. know, it's, it's got to factor in all these other variables, hasn't it? I mean, if you're a consultant or a contractor, I think that's where the biggest impact would be. Because if you're charging a very high day rate and then you, you're ill and you're off for two weeks, yeah, yeah. That's, that's two weeks of a high day rate. You, know, you need to think about that when you set your rates, you know, the factor in, into, the, into your equation, you know. Passive, yeah. passive income is not so much of an issue. If I'm off work for a week with flu or whatever, yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, still going to earn the same amount. Even, well. even with passive income, at a certain point, obviously, I assume you have to work on new courses. They probably get tired eventually, and you have to do new stuff. I guess even with passive income, you still have to. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the courses, I mean, it, it depends on what subjects you do. I mean, I know some people that are, that like to focus on absolute bleeding edge technology stuff, which is great, and you yeah. get a bit, you get a massive bump in you know viewership. But they go out of date really quickly. So some of the guys that I know have had to re-record the same course about five times. Really? Cause just because just the evolving. pace of technology moves yeah. on so quick. And if they don't redo it, it will just get retired, the course. Oh, okay, yeah. I take a bit more of a longer game. So a lot of the courses I've been doing recently have been more professional development and they don't really go out of date. Yeah, so they're, people they're, are still people. <laughs> so what, what, what's the term for it? Evergreen. It's evergreen, evergreen oh, okay. content. Yeah. Now, that content doesn't get me the big boost to say someone doing an Angular course or a .NET Core course, mm. but I've got, a, I've got a much better long tail than those other courses. Really, they, they stay fresher opinion. longer, yeah. yeah. Perhaps something that you need to factor in, isn't it, into your business model. So, I, so well. I play it as a long game, and so far it's been working out, you know, royalties are going, well, we're not allowed to call them royalties anymore, viewership payments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Apparently there's some legal difference between the two. Yeah, I'm not quite yeah, sure what yeah, it means, yeah. but we're not supposed to call them royalties anymore. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I did get the memo. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so those are just a few tips. Tips from two guys who have been through this and uh, managed to make it succeed. Yeah, just, I mean, if you do have a side hustle, you want to just have a go, try it out and see see how it goes. Okay, so on to some recommendations. So uh, what do you recommend? Yeah, I'm losing my voice a bit. Yeah, um, yeah what I've been doing recently is um, we've bought like an exercise bike and I think okay. it's actually quite useful, especially if, you know, it, Obviously, in the UK in, in the winter, it's particularly cold and rainy and gloomy. You don't always want to get up, go out for a bike ride out in the rain or go for a walk or go for a run or something. So sometimes it's quite nice to have just sort of sit on an exercise bike and just do like a, a 10 minute ride and really go for it. Almost like, you know, like hit sort of training, you know. Yeah. And it's very, very lot of friction because it's not like you have to get changed, you know, into your running gear or cycling gear or whatever. You don't have to go out in the rain and the cold. You can just hop on a bike. And it's it's a good idea, I think. I think it's. Cool. A, I think it's. Um, I don't know. It's. It kind of gets a bit boring. So I don't know how to do it in the long run, but it's it's good at the moment. I'm quite enjoying just having that. You, you know, sit on the exercise bike and then do like a five hour marathon. <laughs> on the ride on it. <laughs> no, no. I tend to do just do like just hop on and do like ten minutes, do like five k or something, but do it really quickly. You know. Five k in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Blimey. That's yeah, like it's really good for that it. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's really good for it. But you, I've seen going for it. It's got like heart rate monitor. They have a Fitbit as well. Yeah. And it, you can really get your heart rate really, really, you know, high because you're just oh, cool. constantly churning away at quite a fast speed. So it's a good way of getting your heart rate going. Um, from from the link you provided here, I mean, you don't you don't actually have to spend a huge amount either. Yeah, I mean, we we got like one. It was on offer. I think normally it's about 130 pounds, but this is um, 100 pounds on offer, and it's just like a there's a, there's an athlete. Do you remember Roger Black? Used to be oh, yeah. a 400 meter runner back in the day. No, totally. I, I'm, most, I'm, I'm the most unsporting it, person it, ever. He won silver at Olympics back in the like 1980s or something like that, or 90s, I'm not sure. And he's got a range of exercise equipment. And oh. it's, it's just a folding bike, so it, it folds up, so it's not 
in the way or you know you can fold it up although we don't bother folding it up but you can do okay. and it's just yeah it just it just works it's quite quite nice actually cool um, sounds sounds painful, but cool. <laughs> yeah, no, no, good. Well, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying using it. When, I, was, when I, when I, I go last night, actually, it was good. When I did have my gym membership and I actually used to turn up, the the one machine I actually hated using the most was the exercise but, bike. Exercise, yeah. <laughs> I prefer the real bike because it's it's more interesting. But sometimes, you know, when it's cold and wet outside, like last night, it was horrible. Yeah. So it's just nice to hop on that, you know, rather than having to go outside and get wet. So cool. what's your what's your recommendation then, Steve? So mine's a YouTube channel. Because we all like to have a bit of a procrastination session every now and again. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's a guy called Pat Flynn, so F L Y N, and he's got a YouTube channel called Smart Passive Income, and he's just got loads of really cool advice on running online businesses. Yeah, yeah. I'm I think I've listened to his podcast in the in the past, so I'm sort of familiar. Yeah, I've so read got, his books. As yeah, he's well, got a podcast so. as well called Smart Passive Income. So if you can listen to his podcast, listen to it as well as that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just listen to um, that. But no, he's, he's got some really good advice. He's, he's, you know, he's been very successful launching various different online products. He's written a couple of books as well. So one's called Super Fans, and the other one was called Is it Will It Fly? Will It Fly? Yeah, I've read, read that. Fly, yeah, yeah, I have read that in the past. Yeah. So they're sort of various books that he's written and published. So it's just some really good, interesting content on there. Yeah, I'm gonna have a look at that. Yeah. So if you're uh, at work, bored, wanting to procrastinate. Yeah. <laughs> so on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> not that they're I endorse. Good. Not that I endorse that. But no, no. Yeah, be cool. wise with your time. Okay. Yeah, so uh, good episode. I will see you again on the next okay, one. Okay, Bye. Goodbye, Bye. everybody.